The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. Over the past few months, uh, we've had several of the world's most profound spiritual leaders and best-selling authors on the show, including Gary Zukoff, John Borsinko, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Dr. Christiane Northrup, and Thomas More. Each one of these people, though they did not specifically address this issue, also spoke about personal or transpersonal power. And today, we're going to congeal all of that wonderful energy into a single topic, the power of living a soulful life. The word power is fraught with all kind of connotation, including control, manipulation, abuse, bullying, and yes, even the word help falls under the word power. It's also seen as confidence or leadership ability, but all of these are externalized views of that word. From an internal perspective, power can be seen as the attainment of an authentic stand with and for yourself. Fear, on the other hand, is the foundation from which most of us live our daily lives, with whether we can admit that or not. Not so long ago, many of us were touting the word fearless and claiming our rights to climb the tallest mountain and kayak the fiercest river. But fearlessness is not the same as power when power is attained internally. In fact, from an internal and transpersonal perspective, fear is a springboard for power. So today, we're going to be talking all about power, and not just personal power, but something that could more accurately be described as per- transpersonal power. So what it isn't is going to be just as important to us as what it is, and I guess we need to go there first. Power, as it is typically seen in the social milieu that we live in, is typically seen as a, as a form of control. If I have power, then I must have control over some other people. The President of the United States has power. A police officer has power. A teacher has power. Um, these are authority figures that we have given uh, the, the power to have power. And it's interesting, the word authority figure is almost an oxymoron because authority seems to be a stand of its own. And the word figure is uh, synonymous with the word um, symbol. So really, a person who is an authority figure is a symbol of authority. Uh, But as we know, and we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, choice is the final arbiter. Choice is the final decision maker. In terms of personal power, not yet transpersonal power, but personal power, choice is the final arbiter. And, of course, that will bleed into transpersonal power. But 
We're going to get to transpersonal power in a few minutes. We want to talk just for a few minutes about personal power. Um, manipulating other people, being able to get other people to do things. The the art of persuasion, that's a, one of the things that's being marketed out there today, is the ability to persuade. I'm a speaker. I speak with uh, for corporations and um, agencies and the public, and I uh, very often talk with them about all kinds of topics from leadership development and authentic leadership to conflict resolution and stress management and things like that. And uh, there are people out there who would like to train me as to how to how to persuade audiences. I'm, I'm to use my influence, my power, to sort of uh, let the water run over the the uh, weeds, and the weeds would bend to my influence. And um, really, ultimately, anybody who is persuaded has chosen to be persuaded, because again, choice is the final arbiter. So if if I'm in an audience and someone is attempting to persuade me of something, then I'm being then I'm agreeing to be persuaded. Uh, why I do that? No, the num- the numbers uh, you could number those things in the thousands. There's many different reasons why I might decide to uh, allow myself to be persuaded or influenced by another person, but it is my choice. I might want to please them. I might want to bargain with them. I might like them. I might want to marry them. I might, you know, I, I might think I could get some money from them. I might feel that I have to uh, be persuaded because everybody else seems to be being persuaded. Then we could go on and on. But regardless of the reason why, I am choosing to be persuaded. So there is no such thing as uh, one person controlling another person's mind and or behavior. Uh, there is some choice. Now, I want to. I want to. Uh, put a little disclaimer in there in that children can definitely be abused and controlled by by parental figures because they are uh, of an age where, yes, they have a choice, but their choices are so limited uh, as to what they can actually do that most of the time they use imagination and bargaining as their primary tools. And uh, because they do, they can be uh, they can be harmed, of course, by somebody else's power. So that little, with that little disclaimer in mind, we need to remember that choice is the final arbiter. And so uh, when we think about power uh, in terms of personal power, one of the first things we have to recognize is the power to choose. And that power goes way deep. Uh, not so long ago, I remember uh, a day when I dropped uh, two different things. One was a sacred object and one was my car keys. Uh, and on the, uh, when I dropped the sacred object, I could he- literally hear something deep inside of me choosing not to let that fall all the way to the floor. Now, I could have just performed the action of grabbing them very quickly without noticing what was also going on inside of me, but I did notice what was going on inside of me, and what was going on inside of me was a choice to not let that fall, because if it had fallen, it would have broken, and I just wasn't going to have that that day. Later in the same day, I dropped my car keys, and I let them fall all the way to the ground because there was not going to be any damage to that. And I also remember being deep inside myself at that point as well and hearing that choice in me to just let it go, just let it go, and then pick it back up again. Now, I believe that if I worked hard enough at it, I might be able to peel those layers back even further and, 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 and find out when I chose to drop the objects in the first place. Why I did that, I haven't a clue yet because we, I haven't gone that deep. 
but I do think that, that there are choices along the way, little bitty choices that we're making uh, that make up a day. And those choices are our power. They give us the ability to um, make our lives, create our lives as we would like them to be. Now, when it comes to um, these externalized views of what power is, there's an assumptiveness about it. There's an assumption of power. So if I give you my power, then you're going to assume that power. If I say to you, well, here, you, you can have the reins of my life, and you can take those reins, which, of course, nobody can really do, but if you could, then you are assuming that mantle of power that I've just given you. And there's lots of ways we do that every day as well, not just in conscious decision-making, such as, you know, which restaurant are we going to go to? Well, you choose. I don't care. <laughs> that's one of the ways we do it. But that's, it's not the same. We very often give these authority figures that power. So we will say, uh, I can't do that. They won't let me. Um, they made me do so-and-so. and Therefore, they have the power to control me. Um, they make me so mad. I'm, uh, I get so afraid, you know, when they walk in the room. Now, that, that sentence right there owns it a little bit more than the first one did where we're talking about somebody making us feel something. But uh, we can give that power away, and there could be an energy shift that happens in the room at that moment where we give the power away, and therefore the person assumes that power, takes on that mantle of control and says, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take it. You've given it, I'll take it. I'll receive that. Um, and so we, ha- we have to examine this uh, interaction uh, deep inside each of those individuals in order to find out what's really going on in there. But, um, for example, uh, and I've given this example before, but I'll use it again because it is something we see on TV a lot and it's handy for us. Um, in the, in the case where we have an alcoholic spouse um, and the wife or the husband is, is doing all the worrying about the alcoholism and is um, working an extra job because the, the spouse won't show up for work on time and gets fired because of absenteeism, um, yeah, the, the, the primary sp- the spouse that's not drinking We'll take care of the kids and try to keep it a secret from the kids what's going on with with the uh, alcoholic spouse. And so what's going on there is that the enabler is taking all the power to stop drinking out of the hands of of the person who is drinking because the person who is drinking is giving them all that power. So that a literal transition has taken place where um, the alcoholic could say, well, I'm yeah, I can't stop drinking, um, and and the reason I can't stop drinking is because I don't have to, really, because my wife or my husband is taking care of all the business in my life, so what do I have to do but just bend my elbow and drink? Um, and uh, wh- that's why enabling is called enabling, because it is a powerful position in which the person who's doing the enabling is actually carrying some power for the person who is drinking or using substances because... Uh, and in that way, they're actually preventing or helping to prevent the person who is using from from actually realizing they have a problem. And then it turns around that when the wife or the husband who's been enabling says, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm not working two jobs anymore, and I'm not keeping your secrets for you, and I'm not calling the boss anymore in line for you to tell them that you're sick when really you're just drunk. I'm not doing that anymore, I'm done. Then all of a sudden, scratch your head, 
the alcoholic or the drug, substance abuser goes, oh, my God, I think I've got a problem. I better go get some help. And, you know, whether or not that lasts, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But it's very easy for them to find somebody else to depend on as well. The point I'm making here is that that transfer of power is subtle, and yet it is very potent uh, when, when two people make that unconscious, under-the-table handshake of an exchange of power. So we're going to be talking some more about this when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned to learn more about personal and transpersonal power. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back uh, talking today about power, and we're talking at this particular juncture about personal power as opposed to transpersonal power. And we know that personal power can lead to transpersonal power, but we're going to get there in just a few minutes. Just before the break, we were talking about that transmission of power that can occur 
uh, between two people when one person is enabling the other one's drug or alcohol use. And it was an example we used to describe what it's like for someone to renege on their own power, to say, I've just... I'm not going to use my power. I'm not going to have that say-so and to give it over to someone else. Um, and we talked about how we can give it over in terms of saying they make me mad or um, I can't help it, they, they, they won't let me, those kinds of things that say I'm choosing not to choose. I'm choosing not to recognize that I have the power to create my life in this moment. Um, and in that way... What happens is that we uh, we stay in a in a realm that is not conscious. We stay in a realm that does not allow us to see how much power we actually have. Um, you know, I think um, Marianne Williamson said it really well that we're we're afraid most of our own peace, and I think that's really true. And I think along those same lines, we're afraid most of our own power because it is an attainment of our own personal awareness full consciousness that allows us that peace. So uh, along the way to peace, we have to recognize power. But that word, the word itself, power, has a lot of negative connotations simply because we've assumed it to mean control. And even personal power, uh, we, we tend to think that means being arrogant. Even though we intellectually know that that's not true, there's, a, there's a, an emotional connotation to the word that says, well, if a person's really powerful, they must also be very arrogant. And um, arrogance is actually a compensatory tool that we use to deal with a sense of um, inferiority. So if I'm an arrogant person, as someone might be just describe me as an arrogant person, what that really means is that I feel very inferior, and arrogance is my way of compensating for that um, so that I can feel myself superior and other people are intimidated by my superiority. Ergo, that means that they are giving their power to me because I come across as arrogant. Therefore, some people are going to say, oh, they're very powerful people and I just can't be true to myself in their presence. So therefore, they are giving me their power. And the more people who give me their power, the more I'm going to assume that I'm powerful. This is exactly how it works in cults. Um, uh, so that the the power to persuade and influence is given over by the audience to the person who has uh, intimidated or taken that control in some kind of way. Um, and we we, are, we stand back and are amazed that people would literally drink the Kool Aid to uh, for a, a leader that seems to be frothing at the mouth with insanity. And what but what has happened long before that is that these people gave over their power. Their sense of themselves was given over to someone else, and um, they don't know how to get it back. So as we're talking today, we need to understand that there, we have the power. We have the power to create each moment as we, as we are in it. And I don't mean that we can, that the external uh, circumstances will be influenced by our will, what I do mean is that within a given moment and its given circumstances, we have the power to choose what we're going to do with that. We have the power to receive it, to take it in, and to let it become a, a, a part of our existence so that, we, um, so that we don't identify with it by any means, but that we can receive it openly as, uh, as a part of the blessing that is our life. And, and as we do that, we begin to make use of it. 
then it's not um, something that happens to us. It's something that is a part of the creative endeavor. And we'll talk some more about that in a few minutes. But uh, for now, what I want to say is that we are, uh, we are very powerful people, and we have the capacity to give that power over to other people. So having said that now, how does a person recognize personal power? Well, we can recognize it by just realizing how much, how much of our day is run by our own choices. For example, um, if I walk out of my office one day and um, am hit by a car, uh, I could say, well, my life has now been changed because I got hit by a car and, you know, everything that was before that is different now. And in some senses, that probably will be true. But on another level, I have the choice about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to respond to that event. So, again, power does not mean necessarily that we're going to control the external events in our lives, but it does mean that we have some say-so about how we're going to respond to those events in our lives. And we are responsible, whether we choose to accept that responsibility or not, we are responsible for that response, uh, what we do with it, what we, what, how, how am I going to adjust to this uh, accident that I've had, has, how, my injuries as a result of that accident. Um, so that, that's a part of it, responsibility for how we respond to life. Also, responsibility for how we generate life. Um, our lives are not just a bunch of responses to external events because what that assumes is that we are not generative, that we do not have the ability to be a creator of what might go on. We do have that ability and we do have choices about that. Um, we have all kinds of things going on inside of us, including intuition, emotions, thoughts, reactions, um, physical sensations, um, the list of memories, uh, the list goes on and on what we have inside of us at a given moment. And all of those things are pieces of information that we can utilize to, uh, to uh, be, be generative, to create a moment, not just to respond to something else that's happened already, but to create something uh, as an original creation. We can do that uh, literally when we paint a picture. It's an original creation or write a story or write a poem or write a book. Uh, we are we we say other oh, people who do that are creative people, but the truth is we're all creative people. We are all creating something all day every day, either through response or through generativity. So it, it's important for us to recognize that it, our lives are not just made up of of response, because that that puts us in a place of powerlessness. All I can do is respond to my life events. Um, and it makes us feel as if life is in the, the life events are in control, and I have a limited capacity to be able to do anything about that. But in fact, there's an interesting mix, a, a weave and wolf, if you will, will uh, with regard to the tapestry of our lives, that in which we can truly be not only responsive but generative, and those things work hand in hand so that I'm generating something to which I'm going to respond, and then I'm responding to other things that might allow me to generate something else. Um, so, if I might, so if I, let's go back to that automobile accident, if, if I get hit by a car and I'm injured, well, that doesn't just mean that I have a choice about how I'm going to respond to that, those injuries or, and the accident itself, but it also means that I have a choice about what I'm going to create out of it, um, that I've been giving some soil, and now I can create something totally original. Uh, so that's the generative piece of it. 
So it's important for us to recognize choice not only in terms of its responsiveness, but in terms of its generative ability, too. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that, um, that from an internal perspective, power can be seen as the attainment of an authentic stand with and for the self. And, um, and we talked about, and that's personal power. We, again, we still haven't reached transpersonal, which we're going to do in a little bit. But um, we also talked about fear and how at one point, not so long ago, uh, there were many of us wearing fearless T-shirts and fearless shirts that had uh, on, had the word fearless written on the sleeve, and people were tattooing their bodies with the word fearless, and fearless became the big motto of the day. Uh, that has It's not so much a motto anymore, uh, but it, it had to do with going out and sort of conquering the world, climbing the mountains and uh, fording the streams and all of that, and and uh, you know it was very helpful in some ways to to a lot of people because they were able to do things they'd not allowed themselves to do before because fear overcame them, and so in that in that sense it was a very uh, it was a very good sort of movement in the same way that the hippie movement was a great movement because it helped us all to liberate ourselves on some level, um, and in in the sense that the fearless movement helped us liberate ourselves to the degree we began to believe less and less in fear and more and more in our own choices. Um, but I also mentioned that f- from an internal perspective, fear can be a springboard for power. And I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. Um, and, and if we get uh, stopped by the break, we'll come back to it. Fear, uh, fear is not the enemy. I want to say that again. Fear is not the enemy. In the New Age, New Thought movement that we have, fear is just about equal to Satan himself. <laughs> um, there is, uh, I don't believe there is such an entity as Satan, but uh, if you do, fear uh, falls in line with that. But um, it's like we're not supposed to be afraid, and if we're afraid, we, we're, we're, we're not, don't have love because of the, the phrase in um, The Course in Miracles and in First John of the Bible it says that perfect love casts out fear. Well, uh, you know, yes, I agree with that. Perfect love does cast out fear. Um, the words cast out can be translated differently, and we won't even go into that. But the, the point is that um, what we've made of that is that there's enmity between fear and love, that you can't have love if you have fear, and you can't have fear if you have love. Um, and I can't I can't uh, agree with that, and I, I just want to put that out there. I think what's truer is that there's a transformative capacity that any of our emotions have, including fear, anger, all the other quote-unquote negative emotions or, or the quote-unquote positive emotions, which I don't believe there are negative or positive emotions. But uh, all of those emotions have the, a transformative capacity in that they can nudge us to go deeper to find something truer inside of ourselves. So uh, fear might say, um, I'm afraid of losing my job, for instance. Uh, in this economy, that would be a good example. I'm afraid that I might lose my job. Okay, well, I can sit with that fear and do nothing. And, and I, you know, I can sit with it for six months and go, well, I'm just waiting for the hammer to fall. Or I can say, okay, I'm really afraid of this. Let me look at that fear. Let me examine it. Let me... Um, let me hear it. Let me hear what it has to say. Let me listen to the parts of it that are rational, and let me listen to the parts of it that are irrational, and let me make some decisions about what I'm going to do with it. 
so uh, there might be a, a rational part that says, you know, there's some writing on the wall here. The company has been having some layoffs. Um, they've been, we've had to take a cut in pay. They're, these things are there for us, and uh, they, they are, uh, they're out there. They're giving me information about what's really true and what's false. So, um, so I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to uh, own what's true inside of me, and I'm going to say, uh-oh, there's some writing on the wall. Perhaps I need to listen to it. That is listening to the realistic function of fear. It's there to tell me something very important, and I need to listen to it. And so after we get back from the break, we're going to talk about listening to the irrational part of fear as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just... I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health Magazine, The Soul-Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines, publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. So we were talking just before the break about, uh, about how we can uh, use fear to, as a springboard for power. And what we said was that there is a form of fear that is very reality-based, and we were using the example of 
uh, the person who might be afraid of losing his or her job. And I, I've talked with several people over the past couple of years um, as clients who are listeners or readers who um, are in the process of sort of looking at the writing on the wall that's saying uh, maybe my job is going to be one of the next to go. And they're not doing anything about it. They're, they're sitting there waiting for it to happen. And when I ask them about that, what they say is they don't want to be afraid because fear is, is a bad emotion. It's not, you know, when we get to the bottom line of it, they'll say, well, fear is, you, you know, I don't want to live in fear. And yet they are afraid. They're very afraid. And the fear is trying to talk to them. It's trying to say to them, hey, there's writing on the wall. Are you reading it? Let's do something about this. And we end up talking about what they might be able to do, what kinds of things they might be able to do. And I've seen actually people uh, create a whole new uh, um, career out of that to be able to say, oh, well, I haven't liked this job very much anyway. I'm not going to sit around and wait for it to get gone. I'm going to do something different. And um, I'm going to try to do that thing I've always wanted to do. And so it's a perfect opportunity to do that if we're willing to look at our fear and, and, and decide which part of it is realistic and which part of it is unrealistic. So I said before the break that we'd talk a little bit about the unrealistic part, and the unrealistic part is the part that is raw emotion that says, just be afraid. Be afraid of change. Be afraid to move. Don't move. Don't do anything. Just sit here under the blankets and the monster will go away. That part of us is not telling us to rational things. It's not giving us good information. Um, and so we need to honor that as well, though, and say, okay, well, let's just sit with that feeling of fear and see what it leads to. And this can be done through meditation. You can, you can sit with the feeling of fear and go down under it so that you're sitting with the feeling and you feel it and you feel it and you feel it and feel it. And then after you've got a flare of, an idea of its sort of color and shape and, and its design and where it is in your body and, and just sort of, uh, sort of played with it for a little bit, then you can um, go from there to being able to say, okay, let me now go under the fear. What's at the next level below this fear? And what we often find there is a very sweet vulnerability, a very sweet vulnerability that just says, I'm hanging out here. <laughs> I'm, I'm really vulnerable. I'm the turtle without a shell. I'm the part of you that is is feels very vulnerable. Um, actually, that part ends up being very strong because that sweetness, that um, very sacred uh, place down underneath fear is uh, quite powerful if we tap into it because when we sit with that feeling, it is peace. And we, when we get to the level of peace, we are able to uh, trans, transform personal power into tra- transpersonal power. What, is, what does the word transpersonal mean? Well, you know, we could say it's anything that's above the individual. So we could say the culture is transpersonal. In that sense, yes, it is. But is that, is that how I want to live? Do I want to live based on the culture? Many of us do. And if that's your choice, that's an okay choice. But, but what, we're, what I use the word transpersonal to mean is something beyond the personal level of existence, which is something much more mysterious, something more mystical. Um, some people might call that God. Some people might call it Buddha, Allah, you know, Brahman. There's, uh, there's all kinds of names, Krishna, for this power that is uh, greater than ourselves. 
but uh, and if you don't believe in God or or in a in a power greater than ourselves, then uh, you might have to go inside yourself to find something there that feels bigger than than the the emotions that are personal, the um, responses and the generation that is personal. Um, and that is at that level where we find that deeper, vulnerable, uh, uh, peaceful level that is very powerful. And so when we meditate and we go to emotions, rather than telling ourselves, oh, we shouldn't be afraid because that's a negative emotion, particularly with regard to how it works with the current understanding of the law of attraction, we tell ourselves, oh, I can't be afraid because if I'm afraid, then I'll attract fear. And so therefore, I need to not be afraid. And what we end up doing is repressing our fear. And it just comes back in some other way later because it's going to keep coming up until we deal with it. Um, and that is what's going on in our body is we're being given information. Our bodies and minds, we're give, being given information all the time. We are generating information that we can use to choose how we will create our next moment. Um, and that is that is power, that sense that there's something inside of us that is generating that information so that we can we can use it. We generate this kind of information while we're asleep. When we have dreams, we, uh, we are giving ourselves information, and very often in the form of a riddle, to be sure, but, uh, because our dreams speak a language that uh, can be allowed into our conscious experience. Uh, so it t- will t- take something, for instance, a dream might take something that happens during a day and dream about it at night, but really it's just one aspect of a dream, and we have picked up that particular object or circumstance from our day to bring into our dream at night as a part of the creative endeavor that's going on in underneath the realm of conscious experience. So what is that? It's a power greater than conscious experience. So it's transpersonal. So we could say dreams are transpersonal uh, in the sense that they give us information that our personality doesn't seem to understand until, of course, we try to understand the dream. And then we've, we've interpreted the language We've gotten the message, and we can take it and use it. Uh, but so there's this power within us that is always generating information, and the information comes from our emotions, it comes from our thoughts, it comes from our sens- body sensations, it comes from uh, our genes, it comes from uh, all parts of us. And so when we uh, so when we get to the level of transpersonal power, we're not assuming power over that. Or, or trying to take control over our transpersonal power, what we're doing is recognizing that it exists, that it is very powerful and very potent and constantly giving us information um, and uh, uh, um, experiences that will allow us to transform into deeper and deeper levels of who we are. Um, and that's what I think transformative, transpersonal psychology Transpersonal counseling, which is one of the forms of counseling that I provide, does is that it it gives us the opportunity to go to those deeper levels, hear the information that's coming into us, bring it up to the conscious world, and even if we can give words to it, if the word is only oh well that's the mystery, um, and then and then be able to decide what we're going to do with it if there's a decision that needs to be made. Sometimes there's no decision; it's just information that that we can sit with and, and allow it to just sit there and sort of transform us in the same way that watering a flower will enable a flower to grow. So uh, we are, uh, the transpersonal element 
is tapped into by working with the personal element. So they go hand in hand, just like the body and the mind work together, the personal and the transpersonal work together. There are many people out there that are, are, are sort of belying the personal part of that and saying, oh, we, we just need to get rid of that big old bad ego. And as you know, if you've been listening to my shows, you know that I cannot agree with that. I cannot disagree with it more heartily than I do um, because uh, really the ego is meant to be a liaison between the external and the internal worlds. And without it, there is no, uh, we can't sort of create the bones of our lives without an ego. Those of us in mental health know that, uh, that the people who don't have a strong ego function, and by that I don't mean a lot of pride, I mean a strong ability to sort between what's external and what's internal, those people can be flooded by all kinds of, of, of um, externalities or internalities. Um, they can have hallucinations and uh, they can have delusions and they can be lost in a world that um, can't be held down by something that is as structured as the ego. So we need our ego. It is essential to us, just like our bones are essential to our body. And uh, so if you have people out there telling you, oh, you just need to get rid of that ego, um, I, would, I would question that. I would I would suggest that you might want to think differently and think long and hard about that before you decide that you need to get rid of your ego. Um, and, and ego is a big part of the structure of the personality. So, um, you know, it, we can develop a certain way of behaving or something like that that has to do with what people call personality. Um, other, and, there's, and then there's the roles, the ego states. Now, an ego state is um, a, a a, a way of liaisoning between the internal and external world where the two worlds don't match. The external world and the internal world don't match. Well, instead of going into the internal world and saying, okay, I'm going to grab my internal world and, and be able to hold on to that as I walk into the external world, what we do is we say, oh, okay, well, I'll just give up an awareness of my internal world in order to match the external world. And that's where we put on a mask and costume and that's what's known as an ego state, and it takes on a role, and it lives out a scripted life based upon that role, that mask and costume. So an ego state is not something we will want to keep forever, but a ego. But we do need our ego. Um, so, uh, but and we are not going to get rid of the ego state either. What we, what the object of that game is, is to to learn how to live more authentically. And as we do that, then the ego state just sort of dissolves over time. Um, so we're not going to say no to the ego state. We're going to say yes to the authentic self. But uh, I don't want to go any more into that than I just have. What I, what I do want to say is that this whole thing about power is relative, or personal power is relative to um, our ability to look inside of ourselves and see uh, what's in there. And it also is it relative to our ability to sort of look in the mirror or ourselves and see objectively see what we're doing, what we, how we respond. For most of us, there's a thing that we do in response to, say, for example, stress. I just taught a workshop this morning about stress management in, in a in a uh, organization where there was a lot of change going on, and um, that uh, what happened as a result, what happened in, in there is we talked a lot about how we can deal with stress by recognizing. Uh, uh, exactly what's going on in the external world, what, how the realities of our world really do 
they do have the impact, and we do need to pay attention to those. But at the same time, to be able to look inside and see how we're reacting and see what we're doing with it and see what we'd like to create out of it and turn distress into eustress or good stress. So in that sense, we're using personal power. We're, we're using our faculties, the ability to have cognition, the ability to use the intellect, the ability to use the sensations, the ability to use the emotions, the ability to use uh, our, our head, our body, our mind, our soul to, uh, in a coalesced endeavor to discover what's going on in there and then utilize it. That's power. And we'll be back right after the break to talk some more about transpersonal power. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back for our final segment, and I want to be very clear about the distinctions between personal and transpersonal power as we've, we're closing out here. Personal power is the ability to um, go within ourselves and, and, and find out what's in there, go into our external world and find out what's out there, and then uh, come to some conclusions about how we want to respond or generate something and make a decision about that and actually carry it out. That is personal power. Um, transpersonal power is uh, a journey we take through personal power into transpersonal power by going to the next level, to uh, where we are able to go within ourselves and find something in there. Uh, like, for example, the example we gave a little while ago was fear, how we can turn fear into a springboard for power. Uh, fear, fear becomes... Uh, evident to us, we sit with that feeling and and we sort of see what color it is and what shape it is and what what it what it uh, what sensations it gives us in our body, what it's telling us, whether those are rational or irrational messages, and then we do that and then we go to the next level and the next level is a, a sweeter, more peaceful level, very often. And you'd have to explore that for yourself. It's not something I can define for you. Your transpersonal power. Uh, is going to be something you find. It's not something someone else can give you or even define for you. It's, and the mystery of it is that what we're discovering as we uh, work with this whole idea of transpersonal power is that um, people are having the same kinds of experiences once they go to that next level and then the next level under that and the next under that so that we go deeper and deeper into ourselves and uh, not deeper and deeper into outer space, into some um, other ethereal uh, alien place. Uh, there are many people out there that are, are, are talking about out-of-body experiences, and um, uh, lot, some people are promoting out-of-body experiences as a way of finding that sense of transpersonality, transpersonhood, whatever you want to call that, um, I don't agree with that. I think that we need to be in our bodies while we're here on this planet, and it, it, we're not supposed to be trying to be out of our bodies. We're supposed to be being in our bodies because that's what we're here to do on in this particular segment of our journey. What happens after that, what happened before that, not so sure that's part of the mystery, but um, I do know that, uh, or I do believe that it is our, it is our, we are entrusted with this body and we are to be in it, we're to be utilizing it. And that, in part, comes from some personal experiences of my own um, as well, but, but it is, it's also a recognition that here we are, this moment is mine, and here I am in this body. So trying to get out of my body all the time as a way of sort of going into that other ether world, uh, staying in my aura or staying out there in some foreign place or some place outside of myself um, doesn't help me get into the deeper aspects of myself. Um, but being going into deeper aspects of myself includes my body. It includes the body sensations. It includes uh, uh, the body movement. It includes um, uh, um, even the body diseases, even the things that are going on with my body that aren't necessarily what I would like for them to, to go on. So it's important to in, that we understand transpersonal power as inclusive, not exclusive, that it includes all of our feelings, it includes all of our thoughts, uh, it includes all of our body sensations, all that's going on in our bodies, and, and it also includes what's going on in the external world. 
um, so that we're looking at the external world as a part of the soul energy that is our lives. And, and in so doing, we incorporate soulful energy. We incorporate a life that is soulful. Um, and by soulful, what I mean, and there's so many different definitions out there of the soul, and you'll have to come up with your own. I certainly cannot tell you what you should think about that. Um, there are some people who think that the soul is a, um, a, a sort of liaison between the spirit and the ego, and um, there are some people that think that the, that the soul is um, something we uh, are only in touch with after we die. There are many different definitions of what the soul What I believe the soul is is our deepest self. And I don't believe there's any difference between that and my spirit. Uh, the spirit and the soul are the same. There's different words for the same thing, um, in my view. But you'll have to decide what you believe that your soul is. And um, I would encourage you to just sort of sit with that and, and, and see if you can come up with your own original definition of soul, because that even doing that activity can help you get in touch with more of your transpersonal power. So what does a person look like when they have transpersonal power? They look like everybody else. <laughs> they don't look any different, and they, um, but they may respond to life internally differently. They may, um, they may be able to um, take a lemon and make lemonade, to put it in, in the uh, very mundane um, way of saying it. They may be able to, to, to take a circumstance and build something beautiful out of it. They may be able to... Um, uh, utilize information that they get from that transpersonal world that comes to them through those lower, deeper levels of existence and just give that to the world. Um, they may be able to uh, to recognize themselves as one with everyone else on the planet and everything else on the planet. Um, uh, they may be able to uh, um, see themselves as a part of the fabric and so that their actions are influencing and they're being influenced by others' actions and, and we're part of that fabric. Um, and they may be able to recognize clearly and take responsibility for their power to choose how they're both going to respond and how they're going to generate something original. So um, I, I would say that's how they look. I'm not, I, I would not say that they, uh, transpersonal, uh, excuse me, a person with transpersonal power would necessarily demonstrate great healing abilities or great psychic abilities, although those that that could be true definitely a person can be uh, very psychic or very have a lot of healing energy as a part of the transpersonal uh, nature, but it's not necessarily true so today we've talked about transpersonal power, and next week we have a special encore performance by Dr. Christian Northrup. And so stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.